Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And uh, before I dive into the sermon and the text today, I just want to begin by saying uh, to all of you, thank you. Uh, saying thank you to all of you here in the congregation for coming through the summers and helping uh, be a part of this community. Thank you to all of you tuning in. I want to say thank you to the vestry, and I want to say thank you to the staff, especially Ben and Jim, uh, for enabling my family and I to uh, go on a sabbatical and uh, to spend some time in Mexico learning Spanish. Don't go out and talk to me in Spanish. I'm still practicing. But anyway, uh, you know, or you can, but I will fumble through it together. But anyway, uh, We spent some amazing time in Mexico, and uh, I'm looking forward to sharing you more about what I learned next week and how that's going to apply to our congregation. But um, while I was there, I was at the Anglican Center in Cuernavaca studying Spanish, and the bishop there is an amazing guy named Enrique Trevino. And when I got there, he was like, you know, I'd like you to preach in Spanish. And so I'm going to put you in the pulpit in this church called the Church of the Holy Spirit in Tosco. Now, for the record, if I was a bishop and there was a clergyman who was at, like, my level of English that um, I was at in Spanish, there is no way I would have ever given him the pulpit without a translator. I mean, it was insane, but he clearly trusted in the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues more than I do, and so uh, he let me in there. And uh, needless to say, in the moment and as I was preparing, I felt completely inadequate And at the end of the service, my insecurities clearly got the best of me. Uh, And so I went to the bishop for a little affirmation. And I said, Bishop, how do you think it went? To which he looked at me and he goes, well, you didn't break anything. And so anyway, but who in life hasn't ever felt insecure? Who in life hasn't ever felt completely inadequate? Maybe for you it was at a gathering and you didn't know anybody and you felt insecure. Maybe for you it's at work and the fake it till you make it is starting to crack, you know, and you're feeling insecure and you're feeling inadequate at work. Maybe for you it's a relationship. Maybe a parent or a loved one put some sort of strange pressure on you and you've never felt like you really added up. You never felt secure, and so all of these insecurities and, um, and uh, inadequacies are manifesting themselves all over your life. Let me tell you, with the increasing pressure to succeed, workplace competition, the fact that our society only presents its best self on social media, you know, it is understandable that so many of us have these feelings of insecurity and inadequacy, which ultimately leads to all sorts of other things. Those are just the roots, but they lead to strange fruits like compartmentalization. You know, I'm spiritual but not religious. You know, it leads to uh, feelings of vacillation. It can lead to addiction. If you're feeling insecure and inadequate in life, Let me tell you, you've come to the right place. Because here you'll hear clearly the voice of God say, you're forgiven and I love you. The lectionary today introduces us to one of the key figures in the Old Testament, King Solomon. 
And in our opening part, we're told that David has died and that Solomon now, the section uh, that's omitted from the lectionary is him consolidating his power. But uh, Solomon in our reading today has been anointed as the rightful heir. And he is assuming the mantle of leadership for Israel. Talk about huge shoes to fill. Huge shoes to fill. The shoes of his father David. Israel under David's leadership had reached a pinnacle that they had never seen before. And Solomon was keenly aware of the awesome responsibility that he was assuming. It was overwhelming, and in our reading today, he felt completely insecure and inadequate. Yet into this situation of insecurity and inadequacy, God meets Solomon right where he's at. And Solomon, in a dream, hears the voice of the Lord say, Ask what I should give you. Now it's interesting, and I'll speak more about this in a moment, but he's at a high place in Gibeon. Uh, The king should be in Jerusalem meeting the Lord, not in a high place in Gibeon. But God meets Solomon right where he's at. And this is my first point. In the midst of your insecurities and your inadequacies, you need to know that the gospel tells you that God meets you not where you think you should be, that God meets you not where others think you should be, or where others tell you you should be, but that God meets you, and this is the witness of the scriptures, that God meets you exactly right where you are at. God always meets us, like Solomon, as we are, in the midst of all of those insecurities and inadequacies. And he meets Solomon and he says, ask what you want. Can you imagine such a question? Ask what I should give you? One can't help but think of the colic we all prayed about five weeks ago. Mercifully give us those things which for our unworthiness we dare not, and more importantly, because of our blindness we cannot ask. Yet in all four Gospels, and here's the thing, that question that's posed to Solomon has already been posed to you. You see, in all four questions, Jesus says, Ask of me in my Father's name, and it will be given to you. So what is it? What do you want? Riches? A long life? The life of your enemies, which was very important in Near Eastern days. What Solomon does before God in our reading today is powerful. He confesses his insecurity and his inadequacy by comparing his competence as a political leader to that of a child. And then he prays for something very specific. He says, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. Maybe you've heard Solomon asked for wisdom. Now, this is so much more than wisdom. In the Hebrew, Solomon literally asks for a discerning heart, or in other words, a life that is singularly focused on what God desires and longs for. As king, Solomon wanted to be so much more than just a wise politician. 
Rather, Solomon asks to be someone who's not compartmentalized. Solomon asks to be a king who doesn't vacillate between the sacred and the secular. This is my spiritual side and this is my Friday night side. But Solomon rather asks for a listening heart. One who would literally be the son of David. A king who would reflect and embody who God truly is on earth. And this, this prayer, this is the call of every Christian. And why we as Episcopalians begin our worship with that collect of purity. What do we pray? Not cleanse the thoughts of our minds, but cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit so that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. This is my second point. The Christian life is not about faking it until you make it, but like Solomon, coming into contact with my inadequacies and my insecurities and confessing them, laying them before God, And in that moment of need, hearing the God of all grace say to you, ask what I shall give you. And you see, this offer is not about what I want. This offer is about what I need. What I need from God. And what I need from God, what you need from God, is a listening heart. A daily spiritual heart transplant in order to change and transform my desires, in order to deliver me from the compartmentalization that so often defines my life and the vacillation, the flip-flops. And by God's grace, through the Holy Spirit, embody who God truly is on earth as the body of Christ. That's my second point. But hear me out on this. This isn't done, this isn't accomplished by faking it until you make it. This is only possible through the gospel. God's love and grace freely given to inadequate and insecure people. Right where we are at, through David's son, the king of Israel, but not Solomon. You see, Solomon sends us to the true king. First, Solomon would demonstrate in his life and in his ministry, that indeed he was a wise king. If you read on in our chapter, he settles a dispute between two women fighting over whose child that baby belonged to. Solomon wisely would build the first temple of Israel where the Ark of the Covenant would dwell that stood for over 400 years until King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon destroyed it. However, as wise as Solomon was, the son of David, the king of Israel. Like all of us, he couldn't ultimately overcome his feelings of insecurity and inadequacy. You can read about how this plays out in his life in the book of Ecclesiastes. For Solomon would eventually take wives and concubines from the neighboring kingdoms, like Egypt, the Moabites, the Canaanites. Women Israelites in the law were forbidden from marrying but he married them in uh, in order to secure political uh, power, in order to preserve his power instead of trusting in God alone as the true king of Israel should do. 
And what happened was is that these wives brought with them their paganism and in the high places where Solomon is praying in Gibeon. And to the first readers for the record of 1 Kings, that would have been a literary foreshadow of Solomon's fall. Him praying in the high place in Gibeon is like a subtle drumbeat. This isn't the one. But in those high places, what would happen is, is that Solomon eventually allowed his wives to erect totem poles and altars to their gods like Asherah, Molech, Baal, which ultimately led the people of Israel astray. And if you read on, in the next generation after Solomon, there's a civil war, and Israel's divided into two kingdoms. You have Israel in the north, which eventually became Samaria, and you have Judah in the south. Ultimately, the only thing that truly has the power to tame our insecurities and our inadequacies, even if it's just for a hot second, and bring an end to all of my compartmentalization, is David's greater son, the true king of Israel, Jesus Christ. He whom the prophet Isaiah would see the spirit of wisdom and understanding rest upon. The only one not compartmentalized, but rather, as the prophets foresaw, his delight was in the Lord. The king of Israel who was crucified for us in the high place outside of Jerusalem and lifted up, yet his resurrection from the dead, because of that he makes you and I insecure and inadequate disciples by grace, living stones of a new and greater living temple. The church, by which he is the cornerstone that holds all things together, because we could never do it ourselves. This is my third point. By this king, King Jesus, never forget this. You are known and you are loved more than you could possibly imagine. And God speaks to you today from across eternity and says, Ask what I should give you. And in tune with the Holy Spirit as we all are, we cry, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. We cry, We want listening hearts. And this is how God gives listening hearts. Jesus says in our Gospel reading, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood, have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and die in them. You want to see a great illustration of that. I was going to preach on this, but I didn't want to give it away. Start watching Ted Lasso season one. But you can talk to me about it, and I'll give you the illustration if you've already seen it. But my brothers and sisters, gathered around this table, David's greater son says to you, this is my body, this is my blood, broken and given for you. And Jesus' blood covers all of your inadequacies and your insecurities. Jesus' heart, by virtue of your baptism, is your heart. And you are loved and you are forgiven. And we hear and receive that promise today with your hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.